Welcome to the John Cast podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And a quick shout out to Ian's Pizza, my very first sponsor for the podcast. I partnered with Ian's Pizza to give away a $500 prize to one person over the next, well, we've got eight episodes remaining over a 10 episode course. The one person who correctly grabs all the keywords I'm going to give you here and then identifies the secret message over the next five weeks. It's brought to you once again by Ian's Pizza in Madison, Milwaukee, Denver, and Seattle. And they've got the Thanksgiving slice out right now. Plus, it's their 20th anniversary. Go check out Ian's Pizza. I'll tell you a little bit more about the pizza coming up um, at the end of the podcast. But before I give out the keyword, let's start today's JohnCast. What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career. And in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet and the John Cast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John Cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. Sam Decker, what are you drinking? I have my uh, Waikia water Ooh. that I uh, that I drink every day, all day. And that keeps me going. Had my coffee downstairs, and now I got to switch to hydrate and get nice. to drink coffee all day and get all shaky. Yeah, yeah. I've got my morning cup of coffee. I'm still working on what there kind of go. water? I've never heard of that water. What is that? Yeah, it's Hawaiian volcanic water. It's like a natural alkaline water. And uh, me and Olivia actually partnered with them, so uh, shout out to them. I know it's no free ads, but uh, yeah, they they send us water and. Um, it's actually really good. Good for you. And for my job, I need to uh, try to get any edge I can. So that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's cool. what I do. I like that natural alkaline water, alkaline water. Yeah, Look at that. All right. Deep well cool. water from Hawaii. Nice. See, yeah. you know what? I, I trust what you're putting it. Listen, you're a high level athlete, <laughs> Sam Decker. So if you're putting that in, appreciate it. Yeah. If you're putting that in your body, I think everyone should take a look at that. Um, yeah. All right. It's time for the Ian's pizza keyword of uh this episode it's have h-a-v-e h-a-v-e have now if you want the previous two word or word combos listen to the podcast i did with paul allen of the vikings and then the one before that with bo ryan um but have is this episode's podcast collect them all and you could be a 500 winner as a thank you for listening to this podcast and as always i'll have these episode links out and you can retweet them for a chance at Ian's Pizza launch on Ian's. You love Ian's Pizza, don't you? I love that? Ian's Pizza. That's a great. That's a great gift. It's what five hundred dollars to Ian's. I mean, it, it, you can use five hundred dollars however you want. If you want to go buy five hundred dollars in pizza, go ahead. Oh, Ian's was a great, great spot. I used to go there sometimes on my lunch break. I used to go there late night. I used to go there all all sorts all sorts of times. So there's not a bad time to have Ian's. Um, but a teammate of mine got engaged in the Ian's Pizza. So yeah, what? Who? Yeah, who's Evan that? Anderson got engaged. At Ian's Pizza, um, the one by the Capitol. Don't know if it's still there. Yep. But State um, Street. Yep. Yeah. He. Uh, it was actually her favorite. Like he was like, he's like, we can go wherever you want, like anywhere you want. And she's like, I'm really in the mood for Ian's. And he's like, okay. And it, you know, he because that was his his plan was I'm going to propose wherever you tell me we're going, and that happened to be the place. That's awesome. so where dreams come true and love comes comes true ian's pizza <laughs> oh they could have gotten a heart-shaped pizza maybe too that would have been sweet <laughs> what's your favorite slice of ian's do you have um one? I'm, I'm pretty normal like 
I'm not normal basic. I, yeah. I, I was mostly just like a sausage pepperoni guy, but yeah. um, I actually had some friends that were big on the mac and cheese, but I never got into mac and cheese on the pizza. That was never my staple. Oh, it's pretty good. My daughter it? loves it. Yeah. My, my eight-year-old daughter loves it. Um, I can see I'm why. sure it's, you know why? Good food. Yeah. When you have your kid, congratulations. Thank you. You uh, and Olivia are due in May, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe your kid can go to, to Ian's Pizza too. So- so oh, yeah. what what's that? I mean, are you ready? Yeah, of yeah. course. You got to be ready. Okay. Um, we're we're good at preparing for things. So uh, with our job, because there's so much fluidity and unknown that whenever we can be actually prepared for something, we are going to be prepared. So we are very excited. Everything's good, been great so far. Olivia's been feeling great, and um, yeah, May it's, it's incredible. So we're we're so pumped, and uh, it would. You know, it's crazy how how the world works. You know, I'm actually in the country right now, which is nice. So uh, to go through this and went to my first appointment with her the other day. So it's been it's been awesome. Do you know the sex of the baby? Do you want to know? We do not. We do not. But we will find out um, over Thanksgiving. So oh. I'm sure Olivia will post at some point what it will be and we'll find out. But are you doing a gender reveal? Just intimate with the family. OK. Yeah. We, we won't see this online. No, I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Well, you'll have to ask her. You'll have to have her on some time and she'll, she'll okay. let you know. <laughs> as you say, you could like shoot a three and then as it splashes, like the gender reveal. I don't yeah, know. but how bad would that be if I missed? <laughs> Maybe a dunk. Maybe a dunk. Uh, yeah, she wanted to do something dunk oriented, but I just said that'd just be a lot. And if I'm not, you know, I, this was when I was with the Raptors, I said, I don't think they would want like blue powder all over their floor, pink powder all over their floor. So uh, we're going to just keep it, keep it simple here with the family. Okay. Yeah. What's, what is next for you? Because now that your time with Toronto is over, how was that? And what's, what's next for, for Sam on the basketball court? It was good. Um, Obviously it stings the way it ended so sudden. And, you know, I, I, like, if you want me truthful, I don't really appreciate that, but um, it was a good experience for me this past summer being with them and then the fall having a great camp um, only being able to kind of give myself a, a shot one time in preseason and doing what I did and then not getting another shot, you know, it stings, you know, that doesn't sit right with me. Um, but I appreciate them in, you know, that they believed in me this past summer to bring me back from overseas and um, you know, really give me, give me a shot with, with the guys to prove, you know, to myself, mostly that I am an NBA player. And um, I'm, I will say I, I did everything I could do. Um, and I played, you know, at a level where I, you know, can go to bed every night. And I'm like, I am an NBA player. Um, the guys there know that. And, you know, I still talk to them all the time. I talked to three of them yesterday uh, before the game in Utah. So um, on a personal level, I'm proud of myself. Um, so now, you know, the phone's been ringing, but, you know, we just are trying to figure out what the best plan is for me. You know, that's why you have people in your corner working for you. Right. And right. Um, I have a great agent. So um, we're on the phone every day, you know, trying to figure out the best step for us and um, something will fall into place here soon. But just one of those things that you kind of have to weigh every option and what's best for us to get to where we want to be. Is it one of those things where you just kind of have to sit back? It's probably frustrating because you can't control anything. You just have to sit back, accept what happens, right? And just kind of know that maybe there's there's a larger plan uh, in yeah, place, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the hardest part is 
you know, I, I almost wish I got waived right after preseason ended, right? Because there's that little period where teams are filling out their rosters and when they, you know, say you make the regular season roster, I'm like, okay, cool. Like let's roll. And when you have, you know, a season of eight of 82 games, things happen over the course of the season where you're going to get minutes, you're going to get time, you're going to fit, you know, get a chance. So I, I wasn't really fretting early in the year, not getting, you know, playing time. And I, I, I've been through it. I've, seeing that it always comes back around, but then for them to let me go 10 games in um, frustrates you and also makes it, you know, being so early in the season, teams have, you know, rounded out their rosters. So there's not much room. There's not much wiggle room for us right now, which, you know, that's the part that sucks and um, kind of put us in a bad position, but things always happen. And, you know, as we get closer to the trade deadline and, you know, with, with I think there's a D- December fifteenth date where uh, free agents and um, people that were signed this past year can be traded. So things are always are going to start happening a little bit more here. But we're also you know evalu- evaluating the European market and um, just trying to find a situation where it's going to be the best for me in my career, but also you know in the short term, um, you know what's going to make us happiness and make you know make the most sense. There was a point a few years ago, right? You were traded to the Bucks. Did that for like a it's maybe just in yeah it was it was like reported too quick right um yeah it wasn't all finished um there was i think four teams involved and some reporter caught wind of what was in the works and so i knew i was never going there but oh okay you know someone wanted to get people excited and riled up do you know how excited worked. i was when i saw that I, sam on trust Twitter? me everyone was very very excited and <laughs> I knew from the, from the jump. Cause I was like, no, that's not what's I'm going to DC. And um, then I, I'm like, why is everyone freaking out? And I went on Twitter and I saw, and I was like, <sighs> and I, you know, in, in the moment you just got traded, you have a billion things going in your head. So the last thing you want to do is tweet like, Hey, no, just, you know, whatever. Like that was the least of my concern. Yeah. So um, yeah, the bucks thing was never a real thing, but i um, never going to say that it, you know, I would never say that, it wouldn't be cool in my career to play for the Bucks because it would be awesome in um, my home state team. So who knows? One day that'd be that'd be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Uh, I agree. I was like I said, I was pumped. You, you mentioned Twitter. You're on Twitter a lot. I, I love watching your Twitter because is that know, a good thing or a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. You know, whenever um, the basketball career is over, mm-hmm. like the way I see your Twitter. Like you're a talk show host, man, or something. You are in some sort of sports media because you've got opinions mm. on a lot of different things. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I, I have. Um, I think I being around the industry um, gives you a unique perspective. I think that's why you see so many former players talking about sports because they have this, they still have that um, mindset from inside the locker room. Um, from having their shoes tied on the floor, on the, on the, on the, on the turf, what have you. So you can kind of dip into that, but you can also dip into the, you know, media side and, you know, almost breaking down the game. I, I don't know. I think, I think you can wear I mean, multiple hats when you're a former player going into a, a job like that. So I've thought of it. I feel like I've always been, um, I've never been afraid to share my thoughts on things. Um, and that's gotten me in trouble, but you know, not trouble, but it's gotten me people right. mad at me before, but, 
Um, I, I'm never going to not, you know, give my two cents on certain things. You know, obviously there's things you don't want to touch on and I, and I don't, but when I'm watching, you know, my favorite teams or NBA games, I would, I, I like tweeting things out because I feel like, you know, my opinion sometimes may hold value or someone may read something and be like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. So um, I love, I love sports. I love the game. I watch sports as a fan. And that's where I think I'm, I try to be unique is where not everything's just cut and dry. I'm a pro with this and that it's like, no, I, I love being a fan. I love taking in sports and marveling at what these guys can do. Guys and gals can do. And, um, and also sometimes being like, Oh, I did that. That was stupid. You know, like just things that I see and, yeah. Um, people may not agree with me. That's fine. But that's what makes for good conversation between people. And um, so, yeah, maybe down the line, there is a, a path for me there. Um, I, I'm an inquisitive guy. So my ears are always open and my, I'm going to try to open as many doors as I can and um, we'll see where I land. And I think there's going to be, you know, multiple routes I can take. For sure. You know, I'm just the last three days of your tweets, and by the way, the, the part of the reason I got you on the podcast is because one of your tweets three days ago, and I reached out and I said, you know, like, hey, come on my podcast, let's talk about it. But your last three days of tweets, Sam, is like a couple episodes of like a podcast or something. You realize really? that you just you I just, didn't realize I just do it. Yeah, I mean, you've got ideas on here and and thoughts about Super Bowls. Um, <laughs> you've got an idea in here about the first time a parrot talked. Somebody retweeted that. Um, Steph Curry. I mean, there's, there's so many topics here. I don't know if you realize yeah. that. Um, and one of the tweets you said is next steps after basketball, finish UW degree. Okay. So that's on the horizon for mm-hmm. you. Find a job within athletics department and knock on every powerful door to help fix the seating arrangements and vibe at the Kohl center. Yeah. So how do we fix the Kohl center vibe? Well, the reason I tweeted that was because I got a few texts from people that are, were at the game and they were like, this place is dead. So that was the, the reason that I tweeted that. And then I watched the game and it was dead. And I saw so many empty seats and I saw so many people just sitting there. And that bothers me because that was a thing that we talked about when I was there because Wisconsin fans and Madison as a whole has the ability to have the most electric atmospheres in college sports, you go to a volleyball game. It's a very intimate, small setting that, you know, a couple thousand kids maybe show up, but the place is packed. It's intimate. People are rocking and it has this vibe where you're going to go in there and you, you know, you're going to, you're going to cheer. Wisconsin football, same thing, but we have too many early morning games. But if you get a night game and a marquee matchup, you can feel that like we're ready to roll mentality. Basketball from like 2000 to like 2014, 15, I felt like every night it was, it was rumbling. Right. Yeah. But there were nights when I was there where we would be like, we need to bring our own energy. And like other teams would say to me, like, why is it so quiet in here? Why is it so dead in here? And it made it hard for both teams to play. Cause it's like, they didn't have that electric, you know, that, that, that feel. And, but when it is a big game and when you do get the crowd rolling, that place can be second to none, like literally second to none. And that's what I want to see every night. And that's what I want to see for the players, for the staff, for the school, because I want that program that I love so much to be 
as elite as it can be. And, and I want people to see it for what it is. And um, so, yeah, I just think there's just, there is something off about the way that it, I don't know, the game day experience is there right now. I don't like saying that because I'm sure people will be mad at me, but like, I want to see the Cole Center be what I can see for it in a place I love so much. And some of my favorite memories of my life are in that building. So there are a few things I wish could be changed. And I know money talks and I know it, there's so many hoops to jump through, but um, the days where it was rocking, it is a scary place to play for people. And I want people to understand that and want to bring that every day. Yeah. It comes from a place, not of, you know, you're not critiquing in a negative way. You're right. coming from a place like you want to help. Like that's, yes. yeah. So what would you do? Would you, how would you configure that? If it were up to me, if they said, Sam, just you and a group of people that you want to work with yeah. change this, I would do it the way that an IU does it or a Michigan State does it or the Duke does it. You know, I know that's a small, small arena, so they have to do it. Or University of Virginia, you have the student section behind the benches and behind one hoop. So you have a, you have a hoop. I would say the second half hoop, you have the student section right there. Maryland does this too. You know, second half hoop, you have for the opposing team, students there. You have students wrapping behind the opposing team's bench so you can heckle them. And then you have them wrapping like to the end of the scores table, right? Yeah. All on the first level. My parents went to a lot of games and they said the craziest ones were when they were stuck in the student section. You go to Michigan. It's this little pile of red, you know, it, of the, the opposing parents are in the student section, Michigan State, right behind the bench. Same thing. Okay. They do that on purpose. Iowa, they put you right underneath the student section. They do that so the students have something not to, 1% of students have a bad agenda, but most of them are heckling, just trying to have fun, get a rise out of you. And if you are a student coming to a game and you are four rows behind Tom Izzo, you don't think you'd try to yell at him? Or if you're seven rows behind Kofi Coburn right now and he has two falls in the first half, you don't think those students would want to get, you know, after him. Or if you, you're up three and someone's at the free throw line, you're like, oh, this is our hoop. Like, let's make it crazy for it. Let's try to, like, see what our percentages are, you know, just little things like that. So that'd be a start, you know, just have those students feel like they're interacting with the court, with the game, part of the game, because they are. and. When you see students in the 300 level trying to do homework, it's like, come on. You know, these students trying to get these tickets. They walk to the game in the cold. Like, let's put them near their court. And, um, you know, I, I hate to say this, but, you know, that 100 level is a lot of people that want to sit on their hands. And, you know, they, you know, have we try to do red and white stripe outs during games. And, like, you know, they would do, like, put T-shirts on each, on each uh, seat. and there was people that were like, no, I wear my red sweater to the game. I'm not putting a white shirt over it. And I'm like, you know, you, you, you know, they, it was like a contentious thing. People yeah. tweeted at me, why would the Wisconsin team have me wear a white shirt? It's like, because they want to make it an atmosphere. And um, so little things like that, I remember and I hold on to, and I'm like, you know, things like that are what can make a place awesome. Why are we being so stubborn? Right. So. No, you're right. That that's just kind of like just wear the shirt one time. Yeah. 
We're not asking you to change your whole wardrobe for the rest of your life. It's just the, yeah. the two hours. I wear my here. lucky red sweater for the last 30 years. And it's like, great. But yeah. Okay. Then if you don't want to put the shirt on, at least stand up. And I, that's another one. They, uh, you know, don't stand up. You know, people would get mad at people for standing up in front of them. It's like, you got a game. If you want to stand up, if someone has big dunk, you, you want to stand up and scream. Or if you need to stop and you want to stand up and get the, you know, cheer for you, like stand up. And there should never be someone sitting at, a, at an arena telling another person cheering for the same team, sit down, I can't see. You stand up, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. That, that, that bothers me because there are games when the student section would chant that the rest of the crowd stand up. And, uh, you know, when that place is standing up and jumping, it's unbelievable. So yeah. that's just my two cents on it. No, I think that's a, I think that's a neat idea. I think that to have the students on that sideline behind the bench and wrap around, I like, I like your thought process on that. And it's all, you know, for the home team, it's all to be advantageous for the home team. Let me ask you this, Sam, how would you fix, or do you think you need to fix like the student section showing up at football games a little late? That's hard. That's a hard one. I know the area red thing. Um, they, they've been doing their best. Um, I was a student too, and we had 11 o'clock kicks. I would lie to you if I said I was at those 11 o'clock kicks because, you know, part of the game day experience as a student is meeting up with your friends, going to a party here or there. And Camp Randall's not that close to where most of the students live, you know? So, you know, if you go out on a Friday night, and even if you're home early, midnight, one o'clock, you know, getting up at eight, nine o'clock, there's only two hours till kick. So if you want to walk and meet your friends somewhere, um, you know, then you start talking and having a couple drinks and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, it's 1050, it's 1045. It's a 30 minute walk from Langdon Avenue or state or, you know, it, you know, that's not the closest walk. And um, so I just think 11 o'clock kick is difficult. I I don't think, I'm sorry about that. I don't think there's a bad intent by students at all. Um, it's just not the easiest thing to do is get there for an 11 o'clock kick. So if it were up to me, I don't know, I would, I would take that one up with the NCAA, but I know, uh, TV, TV, TV times, uh, you know, those are pretty set in stone. So I don't know exactly what you could, you know, the late afternoon kicks always easier. That's always more full. The night kick is usually full, Mm -hmm. you know, by kick. So, um, I just think it's really difficult to get kids that are having a good time to walk to the stadium by 11 and I, I don't I, I hate to say that but I just think that makes it makes sense because you sleep in you got to take a shower hopefully yeah. you got to get changed you got to meet with your get friends, some breakfast you all of a sudden it's 9 30 oh they're waiting for us here oh okay get there yeah. always a line to get a beer or whatever sure but then it's 10 o'clock then you see your buddies and you start talking and chatting it up all of a sudden it's 10 30 it's like it goes fast it and goes really fast yeah and then you're like oh we've only been here an hour like we waited you know it's it's one of those things that the 11 o'clock kick sneaks up on you. And it's, I know it's hard to say, and I know it's, you know, from a, you know, outsider's perspective, we wake up, roll out of bed and we can throw the game on. Why are they there? And it's like, it's, it's not easy. It's not as easy as we want it to be. And I don't think there's a perfect answer for that. Um, we always try to do our best. There was always a group of people we met right outside camp Randall, like literally across the street, one of those houses, I forget what street that is. Um, that breeze. Yeah. On breeze. And, uh, that became a game day spot for us. Cause we're like, Oh, we can get there early. 
we met these people. They're nice guys. And they were like, Hey, whenever you want to use the house, come on in. And so we had people there. And then that was, that was nice. Cause then 1055 rolls around and we're oh, let's, let's run in. And, uh, but I don't think everyone has that luxury. No. By the way, was that one of your Huskies barking? I saw that you yeah, got Huskies. That was Riggins. Sorry. No, that's cool. You, you He's downstairs. I, I think I knocked my knee on the desk and he thought someone was knocking at the door. And I, <laughs> oh, okay. And he got I'm protective. Sorry. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to go through your Twitter a little bit because I told you this is a this is a talk show right here. Yeah. Um, I apologize. The long winded answer there. No, 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 no. It's all good. So uh, you said you just watched the uh, one of the Super Bowls. I can't read Roman numerals. How different would Favre's legacy be if the Packers won Super Bowl 32 over Elway? Would have made it three MVPs and back-to-back Super Bowls in the 90s. So how did that thought come about? Because you're right. If Favre mm-hmm. gets two Super Bowls, it's weird. Because in football, you look, at the, you look at a quarterback, you're like, how many does he have? Zero? Oh, he sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one? Oh, good job. Why didn't he get two? Two, right. you know what I mean? It's, it's a weird thing we do with, with quarterbacks. Yeah, especially when you have multiple, then it puts you in a different... I think echelon, right? Because a lot of a lot of guys, you know, Trent Dilfer has one. Not, not, I'm not saying Trent Dilfer. I think played 13 years, great quarterback. But there's a lot of guys that have won Super Bowl. Is what I'm saying. Um, so you know that takes him out. That would take Favre out of the you know same group as the Nick Foles. You know, guys like that yeah. that you know yeah. fair and square won titles, but Favre and those teams were good enough to win more than one. Is kind of my point there. And I was you know wondering if you know, people love saying, oh, the Packers had five and Rodgers and each of them only had one Super Bowl. And it's like, most teams don't have one in the last 20 years, you know? So yeah. um, that was just kind of my point there. Um, I was actually on YouTube and my algorithm is very random. And sometimes things will just fling up and it was like uh, Super Bowl 32 condensed or what was it? Yeah. Super Bowl 32 condensed in the 30 minutes or whatever. Nice. So I was walking the dog the other morning watching it. And, um you know, that's one that I don't think many Packers fans go back and watch. I was only three years old, so I don't, you know, remember that game. Um, but I grew up watching Super Bowl 31. Um, that was my favorite movie to watch growing up, you know, instead of Barney or Sesame Street. My mom would throw that on because I always asked for it. And then I kind of memorized that, mo- or that movie, that that Super Bowl, yeah. but never really paid attention to the, the next year um, and how cool it would have been if they went back back to back. And I think you know, that would have put Favre even, you know, I think he's within that top seven ever mm-hmm. with his resume. But if he had two, I think that put bumps him up, you know, top yeah, four, top sure. five ever, you know. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how often you still communicate with Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, if he can get that next Super Bowl as well, right? that's that's the next step for him too. And it? I think that's where, you know, that's that not elusive one, but we've been so close, right. You know, as a fan, you're like, man, like so close. They just need to get into the game. And it almost seems like, you know, that NFC championship has been the Super Bowl for them a few times, you know, Seattle, I think those are the two best teams. And then, you know, last year, Buccaneers, I thought those are the two best teams in the league, you know? So I think it's one of those things people put a knock on him for it, but it's like, you know, hard it is to get to the NFC championship game. It, and quarterback, you know, it's so important, but there's also 20 other guys or 21 other guys playing big roles, offense and defense there and special teams. So 33, um, you know, it, it's hard to win it on your own. And I think we see that year in and year out. But, you know, if Aaron can get one more, you know, I think that puts him really in, you know, Tom Brady, I think is undisputed right now. But I think that would put Aaron in, you know, that 
goat conversation. You know, mm-hmm. not many guys have made the quarterback position look easier than he has. Mm-hmm. Um, top three of all time, Steph Curry. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that one just was kind of that one kind of got clicks. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but I, I firmly kind of believe it. But then I was talking to my brother about it and he kind of switched me. So okay. if I could say four, if that's, pro- you know, if that's so four Jordan. good stuff. Yeah, Jordan Brown is like 1A, 1B. Yep. You know, it doesn't, yeah. Like, if you go longevity, I think you put LeBron one. But if you're 6-0 and in the finals, then Jordan goes one. So you can argue both sides there. I'm sure. not, I, I won't hold against anyone who says either. They're both. They're both They're amazing. the two greatest that have ever done it. Okay, let's say Perfect. that. Yep, yep. And I then agree. I think my brother convinced me and my dad, Kareem's got to be the next one. Just because of how many All NBAs he had, how many titles? You know, I just think his resume was insane, um, and his longevity too. I think he played what twenty one years, something like that, something crazy, Long time. and was still like a nineteen time All Star, something, something nuts. And then, like, that's where then I'm like, why doesn't Steph come in right there? I, I just think it's, and people are people are going to say Kobe, KD, whatever. I get that. But like the things Steph can do and the way he has molded the game of basketball and evolved the game of basketball, right? Because you watch games in the late 90s or you watch games until 2010. It's a lot of 18-foot jumpers. It's two big men on the floor at the same time. Yet the four and five position were legit fives. And you basically had one and a half like super shooters on your, on your team. Steph Curry walks in the door and it's like, he blows the doors open of the game of basketball. And that's not just like on a high school stage. Like he's blowing the doors open on the biggest stage, the hardest stage to do it and makes a certain way of basketball. Now the normal, which is like wild to me. Like he's made the complicated, difficult part of basketball, the normal part of basketball now. And not many kids grow up, you know, doing like LeBron's moves, you know, like mm-hmm. kids want to shoot like Steph Curry and people are realizing, wow, like what a weapon. If I can shoot it from anywhere and it has a chance to go in, like there's no weapon more valuable than that. And when you watch Steph, the way he can just turn the game on a dime, you know, I've been on the court with it. I've been up eight against the Warriors thinking, okay, we're like, we got this. And Steph and Clay hit a shot that Oracle gets buzzing and it's just like, Oh no, like it, here it comes. Oh no, here it comes. And then pow, 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 pow. Just like that. You're down seven. And it's like, where did that come from? You know? And that's why just being on the floor with it and then watching it just night in and night out. And he's getting better is crazy to me. And he has three rings. He's got two MVPs. Looks like he's on his way to another this year. If he keeps it up, you know, if not, you know, they're a good team. And, that's where I'm just, it's hard to deny the things he does. And people want to say, well, what about this? What about that? But it's like the things he can do and the way he's changed this game and people get drafted just off the basis of, can you shoot from really far away now? And um, it's, it's really incredible. And then on top of that, I think just the way he handles himself, the way he's a teammate, I think he's the greatest teammate almost to ever play just because he elevates everyone around him and, doesn't step on anyone's toes. And I just think that part of it is just as valuable. So 
I'd put him in that top five category. Yeah. And he can, you know, the point of basketball is to put the ball through the hoop and he can do it so well. And he's doing it in the, you know, I'm shooting, I'm shooting a basketball. It's incredible. Exactly what you want your basketball players to do. Shoot yeah. the ball. And he can do it. It's such an amazing. He, I think he had, I saw a stat yesterday that was like Clay, Damian Lillard. It was like three of the best shooters in the league right now. Oh yeah. I, I saw it. it. Yeah. It said like nine, three pointers, like total, like three. He had he Steph said four this week. Yeah, games with nine threes, like, and we just look at it because I know the digital age we move so fast, but we just look at it like, yeah, that's Steph. But it's like, no, that's not just Steph. Like, like hitting five threes in a game is ridiculously hard because after like the third or fourth, they start running you off the line, throwing a double at you, bringing that big up a little higher. He's hitting nine, ten, eleven threes against switches, against traps, against hard hedges. They've Every, we throw the you throw a kitchen sink at Steph every he sees a new coverage every night and he does it. That I mean that's just there's a lot of guys you can say that about that can go against defenses whatever what have you and, and manipulate it. But like Steph's like I'm going to get to what I get to, and you're going to deal with it and it's going to yeah. be a slow death. And that's what is so cool about it. And he does it. And he doesn't just step up to the line and hit threes like he's no. all over the court from the logo just like yeah cutting off the ball. Running off Draymond, two dribbles, two guys at him. It's it's the degree of difficulty, the contest. Like everyone knows he's shooting, and that's the hardest part. Can you do it when everyone knows you're going to do it? And that's that's what's so cool about it. So next time you watch him, just almost look at it from that lens. Like defenses are doing everything they can. We can't let Steph get off, and he still does it. And that's 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 a killer mentality. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, do you remember the most threes you've ever hit in a game at any level? Do you know what that any, number is? Any level high school? I had 11, Ooh. uh, college six or seven NBA six That's overseas, dope. probably six or seven. Yeah. So, What's your favorite? When, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. And when you hit six, you feel like you hit. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you yeah. hit six threes. You're like, what a game, but like <laughs> sometimes like two and a half quarters for Steph. That's just like so crazy to me. And then Steph's yeah. Steph's at halftime. He's like, okay, yeah. let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite game? Do you, what's your most memorable or favorite game that you've been a part of ever, ever. Do you have one? Yeah. I mean, I do. And isn't the, you know, this is a Wisconsin, you know, based show. So there's a few from college that were, I, I don't know. I kind of have tears. Uh, okay. Obviously, like the Kentucky game, um, national semifinal 2015, I would say it was definitely up there. If that was like probably in terms of like the coolest, most memorable, that game for sure. And yeah. So like if that's an obvious answer. So if you want to throw that one out, um, there was actually a game. If you just want to peek inside my brain, there was a, there was a game my second year in the NBA. We played at Oracle in, in Golden State in Oakland. Um, it was a Thursday night, a Friday night game on TNT. And um, we beat, when I was with the Rockets, we beat the Warriors in double overtime. Um, we were a couple men down. Clint Capella followed out. So I ended up playing the four slash five for the last two overtimes and like the last seven minutes of regulation. And I remember... I had a couple big buckets in that game, but I remember sitting in the corner 
during a couple of possessions, and it was like Eric Gordon hit a three, Clay hit a three, Ryan Anderson hit like a 30-footer, Steph hit like a 30-footer, Harden hits a step back three. Iguodala has like, and I remember it was like, boom, 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 boom. And I remember there was a timeout call. Then I was just walking to the huddle and I was just talking to myself. I was like, these guys are insane. And I remember just like, that was the first time, like as I had, I was in the rotation playing a lot big minutes that year, playing in big moments, but that was the one time. And it took me like a year and a half in the league to like, it actually hit me like, do you know how good these guys are? And like how, and I just remember like thinking, I was like, it's so cool. I'm on the court with these guys right now. Like, and I, I actually had the go-ahead bucket in double overtime to win. And and I don't even think about that, but I think about, like, how cool. I was like, these guys are just, like, on another level in the shot making and, like, how cool basketball was. That was, like, my thing. I was like, basketball is so cool. Like, look at this. <laughs> basketball is so cool. And uh, so that's a game yeah. that I'll always remember from my time in the NBA. And I didn't even play a major. I had, like, nine points, six rebounds or something. So, like, for me, like, one of my favorite games ever, I wasn't even, like, the big story. It was like just how much fun it was being out there in the atmosphere and just sometimes basketball is just awesome. And that's what I took from that night. Oh, that's so cool. That's cool. I was wondering if the high school game winner makes your list at all. Yeah. I mean, that goal. definitely makes, I think that's probably the most special game to me yeah. because my dad was the coach. It was our team's first or school. You know, we go small schools first state championship ever on my future home court um you know all my family there like it was just that was that was cool um that was kind of one of those like storybook things you know like oh high school basketball movie like let's have this home state kid yeah. going to the home school you know kind of a jimmy chitwood type of thing hit you know hit the game winner to go to you know go to wisconsin and finish off his high school career and the fact that that happened was pretty cool um yeah, we people still talk about that one back home, which is funny in just in this small high school, but uh, very, very cool moment for me. And I think that's one that I think the older I get, the more the more it'll be special because when you're young, you kind of just move on. But I'm now realizing the older I get, the more things you know, feel cool to you. I asked this question to Bo. I'll ask it to you. Is there a game that haunts you the most? National title for sure. Right. Um, I would say that's 1A for doing 1A, 1B again. And then the net, the semifinal the year before against Kentucky when Harrison hit the three. People got to forget that UConn won the title that year as like a seven or eight seed. And Kentucky was an eight seed. We were a two seed. Michigan State got bullied. I think, or Florida. Florida got bullied by UConn. To go to the title game, right? Was that am I right? Uh, I'm not. I I think once uh, Wisconsin lost, I just I was like, yeah, I think it was Florida UConn. Yeah, and when we saw that UConn won before our game, I remember being like, we were like looking at each other, we're like, if we get by Kentucky, like this this is easy. And so that was the that was what hurt the worst because we just beat Arizona, who was the best team in the tournament to go to the final four and Kentucky was good, but they were young. They had a kind of an average year and they beat us on a shot. Like that was the first time they led, I believe, or since like early in the, in the game. So like, that's the one Badger fans I feel like have swept under the rug because the next year was so good. 
But if the next year wasn't so good, I think it would be talked about way more. And that one is what hurts so much because I think that's, you know, revisionist history. You you can say what if all the time, but I think we win the title that year pretty handily. And that's what sucks. Was that a bad shot by Harrison? I mean, it went in, so I guess it's a good shot, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it was a good shot. You know, Josh had played awesome defense on him all game. And there's a second you could look at Josh, he backs up a step and looks behind him because I think he was waiting for a ball screen. So he was about to take a step back and then angle Harrison to the middle to hedge over the screen. Um, just, I don't know if that's, if I'm right there, but I think that's what Josh was looking for. Um, Cause Josh is such a smart player because he, he's always thinking a step ahead. So I think he's thinking Harrison hasn't made a shot. I don't think he made a shot all game. So he's going to the rim. And, you know, Josh was right. He, he, yeah, I think Josh played that play correctly and he just ended up flinging it and uh, went in and Josh still got a good contest on it. But um, yeah, that's, that was a, uh, I mean, the fact that he made it was a good shot, but um, I think Josh played the percentages correctly there and it just happened to go in. Yeah. I still think about that. I, I can't imagine what it'd be like for you. I'm, t- I'm not trying to bring the podcast down by the way. It's okay. <laughs> but no, it's fine. I still think about the Duke game. Uh, every so often as a fan mm-hmm. from the yeah. fan perspective. And it, it's just one of those like, ah, moments. It, it still feels that way. However many years later, I'm like, it was, it was literally, it was there. It was, everything was there. Mm-hmm. It was so close. It was, it was so yeah. close in. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's a hard one to think about, but I try to look at it now from a new lens of like how cool it was that we got you know, that chance twice. Um, but at the same time, it's, you feel like you didn't finish the business all the way. And that's, that's the part that hurts. These we knew we were good enough to do it. So. Yeah. These reunions, when they happen for this, for these teams, these final four teams, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking like down the road, like even like, these are going to be epic reunions when you guys come back to the, the revamped coal center with the new yeah. student section <laughs> in like 10, 15 years, whatever that timeline is like, for that's sure. got to be some epic epic get-together reunions, right? Yeah, it, it will be. You know, and those guys are, everyone is somewhere new. It's, it's crazy right now. Um, you know, I still talk to Nigel and Joey and Frank and uh, Josh all the time and Ben Brust, who's now in the media in the state. So, you know, I still talk to all the guys and um, that's that's the cool thing. And that's why we're lucky to be in this age that I can keep in contact with all of them, you know, just with my thumbs. So, um we all, we all got together for Frank's jersey ceremony. That was awesome. So yeah, I, I can't can't imagine when we're back all in the same room again, you know, down the line. And you know, those are going to be some some fine moments and some f- funny stories that we'll be you know rethinking of and, and retelling. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you too about uh, some charity work that you and Olivia are doing. Sure. What can you fill me in and what you guys are doing for the holidays? We are. Um, partnered for the last couple of years with the Sheboygan County Food Bank. Um, so, the, you know, they have been handing out, you know, millions of pounds of food, you know, to families in need, affected families. You know, I feel like forever, there's always people that need food on their table, but it's people kind of forget the second year ramifications, especially from the pandemic, you know, in, in areas all across the world, um, you know, job loss and, hours cut and um, especially in, you know, 
small city in Sheboygan is it's, it, you know, it gets affected. And so, you know, people need food, people need, you know, full bellies for the holidays. That's, that's what we want. So we're partnered with them. You know, Sheboygan County Food Bank is the driver of, of all this. So you can go to their website. Um, I wish I had this off the top of my head, but you know, they have a easy, easy, quick, um, I've got it right here. It's donate cheap. donate button right there. And, you know, whether it's a dollar or five, five bucks, you know, a little bit goes a long way and is help, helps a lot of people, you know, in need. So good people over there. And uh, we just love giving back to our hometown and, um, you know, spreading that love, spreading that cheer. Awesome. It's SheboyganCountyFoodBank.com. SheboyganCountyFoodBank.com. Or you yeah. can go to Sam Decker's Twitter. And yeah. Just enjoy yeah, all I, his- I put it on Instagram too. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of places that you can, you know, click and, and help. And I've had some former teammates and buddies text me saying, appreciate you putting that link up. And it's cool. Um, where, how easy, like I said, with phones, what we can do. I remember when I was in Russia, my team donated, you know, locomotive Kaban, they sent a donation to Sheboygan, Wisconsin for a food bank. <laughs> awesome. and it's just so cool. You know, things yeah. like that. Uh, you realize that there are a lot of good people in the world. That's so cool. Sheboygan uh, County Food Bank. Dot com. Sam Decker. Hey, if you ever want to come on this podcast and talk about all your hot yeah. takes, just open up your Twitter <laughs> and we can go through like every single one of your tweets and, and talk sure. about it. And it's a whole sports talk podcast right there. Man, I hope it's I hope I don't get any more tweets that people get mad at me. But sometimes like I can't not eat the trash. I do need to help me with that. I should maybe text you before I tweet everything and be like, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, do it. It's should I tweet this? Yeah. Whenever you think that, just send me the text. Should I tweet this? And I'll take an lo- objective mm. look at it. That's no, it's funny. I, I tweeted the um, plans after basketball thing, and some people thought I was retiring. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not like retiring from hoops. I'm just saying my plan after basketball is, you know, and then Olivia is always like, do you want to coach? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to coach. I don't know if I want to just talk about the game. I don't know if I want to help people in, with the game, you know, at a lower level. I don't know. And, that's one of those things where those doors will open for me at some point, but um, yeah, I'm trying to keep putting the ball in the rim for now. Yeah. That's a good idea. By the way, which, which tweets get you in the most trouble? What's you've mentioned that a couple of times. What, yeah, what, what, what are you doing? Most tweets that get me in trouble are probably hmm, college was the worst when I was in, when I was in college, I used to tweet like, I don't know. I'd just say stuff about like other schools and stuff and then their fans would get on that at me um that must be the worst because we yeah. have a big twitter following like you do or a big social media <laughs> following there must just be some people they're just like just yeah no yeah people people like the nitpick or yeah. you know take one typo and it's like oh no i didn't mean it like that shoot right. let me delete that and rewrite it you know and then people are like why'd you delete this and it's like because because it was stupid you know because I, I i said it wrong and like like the other day Warriors fans got mad at me. I, I was watching a game. I think it's the Chase Center they play at now. Oh, is it? In San Francisco. Oh. Yeah, they changed it. Um, they, they built a stadium in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Chase Center, but it's very corporate now. It's a little okay. different. And I said, That's right. Um, I said, I said something like nothing buzz, nothing buzz like Oracle or whatever. And Warriors fans thought that I didn't know that it wasn't Oracle. And I was like, I know. And they're like, no, you're an idiot. And I was like, no, I, I understand. And, you know, I, I, I get it. I get it. And like, so some places like that, I remember Frank in college said something about why does Penn State say we are like, no crap. 
you are Penn State. We know, like, you don't need to like tell us that we are Penn State. But we played Penn State the next week at Penn State. And I'm like, Frank, don't poke the bear. So then they chanted, like, we are the whole game. And, you know, Penn State at that time wasn't like that tough. Um, so we so we won. But like, I'm like, Frank, you can't keep making yourself the villain. And he's like, I just thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, but not everyone thinks it's funny. And I do the same thing. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, they'll love this. And then people end up hating it. So wow. um, it, things don't always land the way you think they're going to. And I think that's the that's the uh, the moral of the story for social, social media. Read it a bunch of times before sending it. Like I had a tweet written the other day and Olivia like looked over my shoulder. She's like, don't tweet that. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, no, you just worded it wrong. Like, okay. cause you never wanted, you know, sports takes to be taken online. It's like, Oh, you're right. I didn't think of that. And then I rewarded it, tweeted it and then went fine. So um, yeah, it's always good to have proofreaders sometimes. Yeah. I, I bet. I bet. Especially when you have that, that type of following where yeah. every once in a while they're going to come back yeah. at you. Uh, Sam Decker, I appreciate your time. And I think we should do this again. If you ever up for it. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I, it, it, you look up and it's 10 50, it's, you know, it's 50 <laughs> minutes have passed. And I, I, I speak to, that take too long. I'm sorry. No, I, if, no. I'm sure there's more you want to ask me or whatever. So let's 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 find another time and do a part two. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, that'll be fun. Stay yeah. tuned for part two. Sam, Love thank that. you. Thank you for your time. Of course. Have a good one. Appreciate it. All right. You too. Awesome. Sam Decker. That was so fun with Sam Decker. Hey, let me remind you about Ian's this month, bringing back the steak and fry. That's barbecue sauce and mozzarella base top with crinkle cut fries. Yes. All on a pizza with flank stink, flank steak. Flank steak. That's hard to say. And a zigzag and barbecue. Plus, the Thanksgiving slice is back, baby. They got turkey, cranberry sauce, stuffing, green onions, fried green onions. It's 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 delicious. I always go get the uh, turkey slice. And once again, your keyword, let me make sure I'm not saying the wrong keyword. Your keyword for this week on the Ian's Pizza Cash for the Holidays is have. H-A-V-E, have. If you want the other previous keyword or word combos, check out the episodes with Bo Ryan, Paul Allen, and now this one here with Sam Decker. We'll have more coming up. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. Oh, and uh, go to um, the episode description if you want to uh, support this podcast with a monthly donation. And, And one other thing, I'm looking to do something really cool coming up here as well. We've got perhaps a second sponsor, cross your fingers, on board. And I think this is going to be really fun what we're able to do with this second sponsor. But uh, thanks for listening to the JohnCast. Goodbye.